Thank you for joining us today. We are so honored that you have chosen to make us part of your day. We are so excited to be able to bring you Way of Life's weekly sermons in podcast format. We believe that what you are about to hear will be life transforming. So open up your hearts and receive today. We will come back at the end to pray with you. We hope you enjoy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to preach today a different style message than I, than I normally preach, but I really don't cling to just one style, especially as it comes to pastoring this church, uh, because I, I want to impart to you the things that I believe the Lord wants you to receive. God is so constantly making himself available, providing visitation for those that are hungry. If you want to know how to live on fire and live in revival, all I know to tell you is stay in love with Jesus, be in pursuit, realize that every worship opportunity in the corporate gathering is precious. It's so important. Treat it like it's your first and treat it like it's your last because one day you ain't going to get a chance to do this like this anymore. If you belong to God, you're going to that great worship experience, that great worship day in the eternal day. And I want, to, I want to make the most of these moments, but, but not only in this building, the way you live your life. And it's important that you make room for God in every day of your life because relationship with Him is not just Sundays and Wednesdays. It is about that daily communion. Scripture references the phrase, the communion of the Holy Ghost. That means we, just, we give place to renewed freshness Every day. God is not wanting to just help us make it through the week. He wants to elevate us, empower us. He wants us to have something so contagious that other people want it. That's, that is, has been the desire of my life for decades. And you, 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 I realize the, the more you get into doing ministry and trying to help other people, there's where the difficulty lies. If you were on an island by yourself, just you and God, things would be much easier. But just like God sent somebody along the way to help you, he wants us to help other people. But the biggest way we help them is not just by pointing our finger at them and telling them what they need to do, but by pursuing in front of them and letting them see the blessing and the privilege and the advantage of what comes out of that pursuit. Because it is the people that pursue him that are the ones who have and live in an awakening that have revival continuing in their life. I don't know how to say this other than just to say it, but I've been in revival ever since Jesus came into my life because when I came to him, I was not doing it because I felt like I had to. I did feel like my heart would blow out of my chest that day. It would not have, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have fell dead in the floor. I was just so overwhelmed by conviction, but I had to make the decision, and I said yes to him. And then he filled me with his Holy Spirit, and I said, Lord, I do not want to be a half-heart. I do not want to be someone who claims you, but they just play games. I'd rather go to hell first class as a sinner and, than be that. I told this to God. I said, so Lord, I'm going to be all in for you. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to be gauged by what people do. Because as a young man, I remember watching people that I had such great confidence in because they were, 
I don't know. They just they were just almost iconic in my eyes. And I, I would watch I would watch them worship and press in and hunger for God. And I remember somewhere along the way, our church seemed to be doing so good, and I believe it was. But something happened, and I don't really know what it was. But so many of those men that I looked up to, they just quit. They just left. They just they just went, and they never they never followed God again. So it had to be more than something that one person did over one event. Because I want to ask you a question. Just I'm going to keep moving. But is there anything? Don't say nothing. Just think about it. Is there anything that anyone else could do to you or, or fail in some area or do something that could cause you to walk away from God, to forsake his church and his ways? I remember as a little boy, I didn't understand. And while I was not saved, when I did come to the Lord, you know what I said? Years later, because I was a little boy when that happened. When I, and our church was crippled in the natural side of things because men pulled away. When men are not passionate for God, and honest to God, guys, you really ain't much of a home leader if you're not a spiritual leader. And that goes over like a herd of turtles or a lead balloon. But to be a real man is to be a spiritual leader. And it's not a spiritual contest between, to, between husband and wife. It's just, you know, because I want Regina, I, I, no, no matter how close she gets to God, I want her to know him more. I want him to be, her to be closer to him, him to be closer to her. I, I value what she has to say. I value her place in my life. But as a man, I, I, I made a decision when I came to Christ that I'm not going to do like I have seen others do. Because I know it had to hurt you because it disappointed me. Because I looked up to these men. I mean, I looked at them like Bible people. I really did. It's just a little kid. They didn't know I was watching. Maybe if they did, they wouldn't have done what they did. But I was watching as a little boy. I wasn't just admiring my dad. I could call off names. And I could also tell you what happened to their families when they bolted and went away from God. Because not only did their lives go to hell, but they pull their families down because as leadership goes, so goes the people within their sphere of influence. And I made up my mind when I came to it, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna be all in for you. And I don't know, I don't know what it will cost me, but it's worth it. I, I don't have to fit in every place. I don't fit in around all preachers. I love preachers. Preachers are my heroes. But the cynical, critical, dead, dry ones, I care for them. I'll be kind to them, but I don't want to be anything like them. I don't want the spirit that's on them. That's not what came into my life when Jesus saved me. I used to think my brother Stanley was crazy. I thought, dear God, why do you scream? Why do you rejoice so much? Why do you preach till sweat sloshes in your elbows? Why do you sing like there's no tomorrow until I got a taste of Jesus for myself? And I made, I made a decision, I'm going to be all in because I could have stayed a sinner if I wasn't going to be. I, I am not, I had insecurities, I had inferiorities, but I never was so weak that I had to just change locations but still live the same way. I came to Jesus because I realized there's a hole in my life that I cannot feel and women cannot feel. 
I never had no money at that point in my life. But I'll just tell you right now, money can't fill it either. Because I've worked with a whole lot of people that have a whole lot of money, but they cannot make their life work very well. But God in the center, God leading our lives, the move of God is the most precious thing you can have. If it's not your most precious thing, there lies your issue. I love you. If, if God's move, his presence, his spirit. Man, this is more than about being Pentecostal and charismatic. But the beauty of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is we have a high value for the presence of God. Because the presence of God is what separates us from this world. That's what Moses said to God, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to do anything because it's your presence that separates us from the world. It's his presence that takes me through the day. We are right now potentially on the brink of cataclysmic, catastrophic events to take up taking place within this earth and within this world. It is crazy. There's so many crazy things unfolding, so much Bible prophecy being fulfilled so quickly. And you know what? I don't see this as a time to back up or to pull away, but up in the middle of all this stuff, I am not sorrowing. I have joy and I have peace because the one who picked me up in 1983 is with me in 2020. I'm going to live with him. Because revival doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't ever have to die. I've read books about revival. Read them, read them, read them. All kind of books about revival. But revival doesn't have to die. It can, it can increase. It'll sustain you. It'll keep you. And I think more as important, as important, I won't tear down one thing to build up another more than our attention needs to be on what's happening around us and we need to be sober to that. Or, or what is happening in individuals that are in, around our lives and we need to be sober to that. I think what we really need to be watching in this hour is watching in. And so I want to call this message this morning, Watch In. Everyone say, Watch In. I believe with all my heart that the Lord needs us to be focused first and foremost on him. Everything else flows from this relationship. And as God has said all morning long for you that have been paying attention and in the moment, that relationship can't just be him toward us. It must be us back toward him. If your relationship with God goes unattended, however, then things can happen in your life and spoil can take place in your life that you never dreamed could because you neglected the precious things. Do not get distracted because if you do, you will lose this relationship with God and thus you will lose yourself because it starts off small and slow and then gradually, if you're not cautious or godly careful, a drift will pick up steam and before you know it, you are thinking less and less about your relationship with God and you're focusing on worldly pursuits and pleasures. But by looking within, everyone say, watch in. By looking within, you are to guard who you are and your relationship with the Lord and Savior above all. I mean, you ought to guard it like a father would his virgin daughters because it is the difference in your life. Again, the soldier. Well, let me, let me bypass that today.
Let me, let me move forward. I, 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 I'm trying to play pick and choose here for a moment. Everyone say watch. We live in days like none before. The signs of Jesus return are everywhere you look. We are living in the age of prophets of the prophets of old spoke about, and it is both exciting and terrifying at the same time. But none of that will matter if Jesus looks at you one day in judgment and says, I never knew you. Mark 13, verses 32 through 37 give us a prophetic look and powerful advice for the modern church in this hour. Look with me, please. Once again, Mark. 13 verse 32, but of the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. He's referencing the return of the Lord. Take heed, notice, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his, uh, uh, his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. That word watch keeps coming up in this text. It's Jesus talking. Watch therefore. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. The sleeping he's referencing there is not a good night's rest. It is a Spiritual sleep and slumber. Take note of the last word, watch. Everyone say, watch. Look at someone and say, watch in. In one of the letters Paul wrote to Timothy, he revealed what happens when we fail to watch. It's in 2 Timothy 4, verses 9 and 10. Be diligent to come to me quickly, Paul said. And then he speaks of a man. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Though Demas is only mentioned three times in the Bible, he started going in the ministry as an apprentice to this great man of God, the Apostle Paul. Demas traveled with Paul. He shared the good news and even helped him plant churches. But for some reason that we don't know, Demas forsook Paul. Some translations use the word deserted. Though Demas started with good intentions and made valuable contributions, he misplaced his affections. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He walked away from the faith because he loved the world more than he loved his Savior. Somewhere he fell in love again with the old things and fell out of love with the one who should have been first always. If it could happen to Demas, it could happen to anyone. This guy spent quality time around the apostle Paul all the time, but it wasn't enough. You can be around great people of God, but you must choose to be a person of, of commitment and loyalty to God yourself. So I want to give you five aspects of your life that you need to watch in on. We're going to break that word watch down. going to use it as an acrostic. Watch. W-A-T-C-H or W. W is southern for W. W. Or I just dubbed you. But W-A-T-C-H. Watch. W. It represents words. Say words. 
Words are very powerful. They can create or destroy. They build up or tear down. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Notice the rest of this verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You're going to eat the fruit of what comes out of your mouth. Every word you speak is a seed that is going forth and creating a future. You manifest what you say. We need to send our words out in the direction we want them to go. In other words, we need to start talking victory when we feel tempted to speak defeat. We need to be talking healing when we have symptoms of sickness and disease. We need to be speaking blessing when we're running on what seems like empty. We need to start speaking and continue speaking about marching when we feel like quitting. Always, always. Everybody feels like doing the wrong thing. But believers take the high road and say, but the other day I felt like doing everything for God. So I won't let the negative feeling of the moment stop me from being loyal in this time. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 11, 22 to 24. Have faith in God. Literally the God kind of faith. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Check this out. Jesus emphasized the importance of what we say. Watching our words will sometimes even mean that that we do not say. There are times in our lives when the wisest thing we can do is say nothing. When Jesus stood before Pilate, he used silence as a tool. He knew words would do no good in that moment. Your power in a situation may come from your silence, not your speech. When you don't know what to say, the best thing to do is say nothing. And when you know what you could say, but you know it's not going to make things better, you can say nothing because you're always speaking when you do the right thing. You're speaking when you do the wrong thing. But you're always speaking when you do the right thing because actions speak louder than words. Orzel Anderson's around here somewhere on this campus and he's probably laboring somewhere on these facilities. But he walked in here with a shirt that he made this morning and it said, always be part of the answer and not part of the problem. He said, Pastor, I quoted you on that. Do I need to put your name beneath it? I said, no. Nah. He said, well, I'd like to give you credit. I said, if you just have to, you can throw a CO in there. But the realities are, the thing about it is, I want to be part of that answer and not part of that problem. And so sometimes the best thing you can do is not say the wrong thing and you don't have to have an opinion about everything and you don't have to enter into the bluffs of the devil to be honest with you if it's going to get you into judging something that you don't want to harvest off of you'd be better off just leaving it alone I mean there are some situations you could say a lot of things and they would be true but how many of you see some things you could comment on but you don't want any part of that so you're not going to say anything and you're going to let silence be your victory because it ain't none of your business no way. Words of death and depression, dysfunction and despair come from many places including very much the devil himself. 
those around us. And it, it, it even comes from our own heart sometimes. Ain't that the truth? Satan will whisper in your ear and tell you things that are not of God. He will remind you of your addiction and tell you what you're never going to get free from. Or he will tell you that nobody can love a mess like you, not even God. Or that if people really knew the real you, no one would want to stand by your side. But never speak words. Never, never. Everyone say never. Never speak words that allow the enemy to think he's winning. Stand back up there, big boy. I want you in full attention this morning. He said, okay, don't beat the podium then. All right. Begin today. Everyone said today is a great time to start. Today to recognize those words more so than ever that are coming from him and words that are coming from you. Look out and use those words wisely and be cautious to watch what you say and watch what you listen to. Wow. Also watch the words that are around you. You don't have to repeat negative reports. Rewind. You don't have to repeat negative reports. Well, you know, I don't, I'm not gossip or anything. I, I, I just want us to pray about it. But if you don't have a prayer life, you are gossiping. It's a bunch of bull. So you're going to get a prayer life all of a sudden. No, you are. And the sad thing is, not only are you negligent to just be a loose lip that's going to sink ships, but others, but you sink in your own life even worse. Now, don't make your ears a garbage can. Watch the words that come your way from other people. Even people that love God and love you. If their words are not right, don't take it as God if it's, you know it's not. Be discerning. Can't nobody, if, if people around you can hear, for God, hear from God for you better than you can hear from God for you, then you need to, you need, you need to get with God and learn to tune into His voice more than ever before. God knows that our peace of mind is tied to words. His word asks, who has believed our report in Isaiah 53.1? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In the Bible, the arm of the Lord refers to God's power to deliver and his providential care for every event within our lives. We must ask ourselves the question, are we going to listen to the words of God, his report of salvation? I think it's the right thing to do. I know it is. Today, when you hear this message of faith, or you hear a message that the enemy is trying to creep in and to deceive you into believing or something he's trying to talk you out of or something wrong he's trying to talk you into. You need to hang with truth um, and you need to draw the line in the sand and say, let me tell you something. This is not a garbage dump. This is not a dumpster. This is not a trash can. It's not going to slide here. I don't have to put up with you. I know you huff and you puff and you bluff, and some people are scared crazy about you. I'm not in my flesh anymore like I used to be. I have flesh, but I walk in the Spirit. I'm a child of the Most High God. You cannot do anything to me that God doesn't allow, and I've chosen to be in the, in the palm of God's hand. I've chosen to be someone who lives to please Him, so just take your trash some other place. I am not a part-time Pentecostal that talks in tongues one side of my mouth 
mouth and talks like the devil in the other side of my mouth. I am a child of God. I have a move of God in my life. I'm watching in. See, that is it. We need, this is the beauty of watching in because so many people can point out everything that needs to be adjusted about other people, but they never look within. And I believe the wisest among us today are the ones that are looking within. I tell you, I am. Because I can't fix you. I can help you. I can tell you what you can do from the Word of God. But I can't make you do it. But I can make sure Chris gives way to it. And I get encouraged by that. So I'm not going to be defined what others do or do not do with the Word of God. But I will be defined by the God of the Word who lets me know that your biggest responsibility, son, even beyond what you say, is to make sure these things are at work within your life. God is coming for your words this week, church. What will he find? The power of life and death are held in the tongue. Everyone say, watch. Say words. Then there's that letter A. A, what does it represent in this message today? It represents attitude. Attitude. Just because bad things happen doesn't mean you need to be upset all the time. Somebody raise your hand and say, thank you, Lord. I think we need to remind ourselves, just because something crazy happened doesn't mean that we're making any better or that we're being, you know, responsible by being upset all the time. Satan is the original plan A type that wants to keep people from being saved. But if he can't do that, his plan B is to make you feel miserable. Our attitude is difficult, or rather in, not is, but in difficult circumstances. Our attitude in difficult circumstances. Look at someone and say, he's saying our attitude in, not is. In difficult circumstances is more important than what happens to us. That's important to understand. As Philippians 2.5 tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Heard one friend tell a story I actually read it in his book I actually read it in Pastor Franklin's book Overcoming when you, vote, when, you, when you feel overwhelmed and he talks about how that he was out horseback riding with his wife and family and the horse bucked and threw her off of it and it injured her he said but the way she handled it the way she dealt with it I mean it wasn't like nobody made her get on the horse she didn't let it ruin everything for herself or for everybody. She just let the chips fall where they were. Hopefully not horse chips. That was just not in the story. Sorry, sorry. I thought about the chips falling where they may. He didn't talk about chips in his, his part of the story. But she got up. He said, I was in awe of how she handled it. Why? Because your attitude is how you handle things. And look, the devil's after our attitude, isn't he? He wants us all to have a bad one. He wants us to be negative. He wants us to see the glass half empty rather than half full. He wants us to look at things with a negaholic, negativity way of... Because he is. Satan is negative and he wants us to be that way. But he said, I, was at, I just couldn't get over how the, my wife handled that. Her attitude was absolutely fantastic and it was a very abrupt fall. The state of our attitude is a choice. We need to choose wisely. 
need to refuse to be negative and angry and mean. Holy Spirit's not leading you to be mean. You figured that one out either by things that happen to you, people you run with, things you listen to, things you meditate on, but he's not making you mean. You can always find something to complain about, but fill yourself up with faith and hope and love and live as if you have a sense of eternal purpose because you do. Then there's the letter T. Watch your temptations. Watch your words. Watch your attitude. Watch your temptations. A teenager approached his grandfather one day and said, I'm really battling temptation, Grandpa. How old will I be before I won't be tempted anymore? How, how old do you have to get before you won't be tempted? And his grandpa replied, I don't know. I'm only 80. Temptation is a constant. No one is exempt from it. We're tempted to quit. We're tempted to return to things we overcame in the past. We're tempted to watch something that will spoil our spirits. Oh, let me meddle right there. We're tempted to overindulge. We're tempted to gossip. We're tempted to lie. The list is endless. And as long as you're alive, even after you fast and pray, because it was that way with Jesus, temptation will be knocking on your door, and it is a persistent knock. You stay up. I had the knock. Watch your temptations. <laughs> if you're listening by audio, I wasn't talking to somebody. I was talking to my iPad. I need it to help me. Watch your temptations because they can cost you everything. Not, to what, not how he's tempting everybody else, but what, he's, what, what, what the tempter and temptations are trying to do to you. Look within. Watch within. Sometimes we go where we've been warned not to go. We lower our standards and convictions and we think, oh, I can stop when I want to stop. Oh, boy, I've had that arrogance said to me so many times. I got this. I can handle this. When it gets too dangerous, I can back off. God will let you go where you want to go because you have a free will. But remember this. Rather than having what you want, there will come a time when those temptations will have you. Watch within. Everyone say, watch in. And listen to that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit warning you, back off. Go back home. Or as the Bible says, run. Sin may thrill at first, but eventually it will kill. Starts off thrilling, winds up killing. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. That's what your Bible says. Right now, you are being studied. You need to hear me. You're being watched. The enemy is plotting a plan. He's constantly observing you. You cannot afford to negatively relax in this way or let your guard down. You don't need to be paranoid. You need to be sober because you're wanted by hell. I said, you're, yeah, you. Someone say, yeah, you. You're wanted by hell, so you must be careful with what and whom you allow into your life. Who has your ear? What part of your heart remains unguarded? What are you watching or listening to? And here's the part nobody talks about anymore because we've come to the place we can listen to and watch about anything and think that it won't mess us up. But it, it, it did when I was a sinner. It did when I was a kid. So now that I'm 57, I'm deep now and I can handle poison better? 
crap should have no place. Garbage, poison, compromise like that. We're not, we're not built for that. It's a contamination. I saw a documentary. I actually read a documentary recently. Read a documentary. So I guess I saw it too. I guess that works. About professional snake handlers who would milk snakes and get the venom from the snakes. You have to have all kinds of degrees to be a, a snake milker. I, tell you, I dare to turn to someone and say, including a degree I probably won't ever get. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but there's purposes in the snake milking. You get anti-venom produced from the venom. But there's also some treatments for strokes and cancer that they get from snake venom. And they have come to the conclusion and they've told people, it's very important, if you deal with snakes, the most dangerous time is not just when you pick it up, but it's when you put it down. There was an Indian brave who scaled up this mountain testing his young bravehood. Gosh, I've told this a number of times, but I just feel, feel it strong in my spirit. He was testing and proving his, his youthful manhood and bravehood, and he on his way up, scaling up this mountain, and he, there's a snake about half the way up the mountain, and the snake is kind of lethargic and cold. It's a cold-blooded animal, and it pleads with him, please, please don't let me die up on this mountain by myself. Now, what's he doing up on that mountain by himself? Anyhow, you just think on that. And he says, well, I, I, I would... I, I'll take you to the top of him. He said, no, 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 I, can't. I don't want to go any higher. I don't want to get, I don't want to go where it's any colder. He said, oh, but if you'd you please just help me on your way back down, please help me on your way back down. And he comes back down and the snake's still talking to him. And he talks him into bringing him down the mountain. He said, I promise I won't, I won't do anything to hurt you. I promise I won't do anything to hurt you. Can't you see I can't even hardly move? And he picks up the snake and he puts him inside of his pouch. And when he gets to the bottom of the mountain, he lays the snake down and shoo, the snake immediately sinks his fangs into him and bites him, and, and the venom of the snake is quite possibly going to kill him. He said, well, wait a minute. You promised me you wouldn't do anything. And he said, fool, you knew what I was when you picked me up. But what you pick up, it's harder to lay down. Nobody becomes an alcoholic on the first beer. Nobody gets hooked on marijuana on the first toke. Nobody becomes addicted to tobacco with your first cigarette. You don't even become addicted to pornography on your, fir on your first flick that you watch. Are you hearing me? You don't get addicted the very first time you pull a one-armed bandit at a casino. But it's hard to let go of when it gets hold to you. Easy to pick up bad habits, isn't it? Don't shout me down. I said, isn't it? I ain't going to talk about it. Well, your ignorance doesn't mean it any better. And you may not want to confront it because it's already got you. I don't condemn you, but I confront you. If it's already got you, obviously I want to help you. And so I will touch some areas that may offend you. But if my love offends you, well, then I'm just willing to do that. Because you matter to me. Because there's too much stuff being hidden in this hour. Hidden from people's eyes, but not hidden from God. Solomon, Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15 says, the little foxes spoil the vines. A little bit of pornography. Maybe just, you know, that just, just once a month or a little drinking, just some on a Friday. Or maybe 
losing interest in attending church or small group. Well, I'll just miss this one. And just skipping a service here or there. Or maybe you just start going a few places that aren't going to help you. You become not the best version of yourself, but you become a mess. You start losing all the things that once matter. You said, I'm more mature than that, but look at what it's done to you. Nobody just quits going to church one day. Nobody, nobody just becomes a meth addict the first time. I know they say that heroin addiction is an instant an addiction, but most people never do heroin as their first drug. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch your temptations. Don't play with them. Remember, you're an overcomer. You do not have to surrender to the lust of the flesh. Say amen. And because he has overcome, Jesus, because he overcame the devil, you can be free of every habit or addiction. Would you give the Lord a hand clap, please? Give him a praise. Give him a praise. Give him a praise. Give him a praise. Even if you've got a struggle, give him a praise. The, the, the C letter represents character. I'm almost through. Character. You can lead without character, but you won't be a leader worth following. Your character will always outweigh your position. If you say you're going to do something for someone, do your absolute best to do it. And if you've overextended yourself, make it right and be self-aware and accountable. If you promise someone you'll be there at 5 o'clock, don't show up at 5.15. That's disrespect. Show up on time. If you volunteer to help someone, don't bail out at the last minute just because it may have not been the best idea to begin with in the first place. Character matters. When Abraham and Sarah, I was bragging about somebody just the other day to my wife. I said, the thing that so blesses me about this person is I'm seeing them grow in their character and it matters to them. Because until character matters to you, it really doesn't matter yet in your life. But it does. But it doesn't until it really matters to you. When Abraham and Sarah were visiting a place called Gerar in the book of Genesis, the 20th chapter, and the king of that region, Abimelech, took one look at Sarah and fell into lust. And the woman was 99 years old. I don't think I've ever been tempted to lust over a 99-year-old woman. She must have been too hot to try now, baby. I'm telling I don't know, but she, she must have been interested. I think we all want to talk. Uh, not talk. How about in my notes? I, I need to say it better. I think we all want to take whatever she's been having if it makes her look that good at 99. Abraham didn't want to get in trouble with the king, so he lied. Abraham. Father Abraham, many sons, many sons had father Abraham. He lied to save his own self in this particular situation. I'm not dissing, I'm just telling you, I appreciate the Bible shows us that people on their way to greatness find a way to get beyond the things that would stop them from being great. He lied. Lying is a terrible thing, y'all. It's the opposite of truth. Lying is the opposite of Jesus. The king, he, he, he lied. Let me, let me get back to my point here. Yeah. And Sarah went along with the lie. The king was pleased and arranged for Sarah to visit him in, the, in his palace. 
He acted like Sarah was his, was his sister. I've been scared before. I don't think I've been that scared. But I, but again, I can't, I'm not here to judge nobody. I, I wasn't in his shoes, but that just got me shaking my head. Anyhow, how many of you know it's, it's amazing how somebody else's sin can have you shaking your head, but you won't shake your head over your own sin? Before, before King Abimelech, he even touched Sarah. Had even touched Sarah, or not he even, but had even touched. God came to him in a dream. And God was furious and told him, Indeed, you're a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. That's in Genesis 20, verse 3. And after King Abimelech picked up his mouth off the floor, he and the Lord had this conversation, verses 4 through 7 in Genesis 20. But Abimelech had not come near her. He said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even, she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I did this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld from you sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, but God gives him an instruction. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die and all who are yours. Wow. Character matters to God. It doesn't matter to every preacher. It doesn't matter to every Christian. It doesn't matter to politicians a lot of times. It doesn't matter to a lot of people. It's amazing how people separate their Christianity from their character. God ties them all in together. And if we keep separating ourselves, then... What are we? Spiritually schizophrenic? Or are we holistic in Christ? God's more interested in character than in your comfort. He wants you to have comfort, but not to be comfortable in sin. Examine your character. Look at your neighbor and say, watch in. Examine your character. According to Proverbs 10, 9, he who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. It's always the right time to do what is right. Always. One more. To get that word watch, you've got W-A-T-C-H. H, watch your household. Besides God, there's nothing more precious to me than my family. How many of you feel that way? And now, my sons-in-law, my daughters-in-law, excuse me, my daughters-in-law, I don't have any sons-in-law, thank God. But my daughters-in-law had a, I think I had spit on my glasses or something. And my grandkids are priceless to me. I, I ain't going to say that. I get in bad trouble. My family is worth more to me than any tangible wealth I've ever had. They're worth more than the acclaim, any acclaim the world could offer me. And I understand that everyone has a different family dynamic. You might be married or you might not be. You, you might have, be in a great marriage or you might be divorced. You might be in a, a sharing custody of your children's situation. Maybe you're child-free by choice, I don't know. But whatever your dynamic, we all have people who fall into the circle 
of what we call our household. And whether you have kids or not, or choose to invest in the next generation, don't become so preoccupied with schedules and routines, so overcome and overwhelmed with responsibilities, and I know there are so many, that your priority to love and serve your family gets behind. Today, being busy seems to equal success, but it doesn't. I have found myself in life before being busy by the pressures around me getting me off course and I found myself being busy going nowhere. Many of us complain about being time poor or lacking the energy and the hours it takes to invest in our relationships with our spouse or our children. But make time for your family. When they're little, play with them. Take them out for no particular reason. Listen to them. Listen to them. Instead of just taking them to church on Sunday, show them the love of Christ during the week. The Bible tells us that Abraham had a nephew named Lot who was once kidnapped. Lot's father, Abraham's brother, had died, so Abraham took in Lot as if he were his own son. And when Lot was captured by five enemy armies, Abraham knew that if he tried to coordinate, to coordinate a rescue attempt, he would be outnumbered, far outnumbered. But he did it anyway. Because Abraham was not willing to go away without freeing his family member. Abraham was willing to pay any price to get his nephew back. And with God's grace, the plan worked. I close with this. Pray for your children. I say I close with this. i got to read you something that a, a, a woman of God sent me a little while ago. Pray for your children, your nephews, your nieces, your friends' children, and those children you teach or watch. You know, Madison, Regina, educators in this room, God's put you in a very unique place. You are not biological parent of so many of these, but you are. They are your children. And I'm so grateful that God's got you in that spot in their life. Because we live in an hour now where you better not surface trust just anything. You need to look meticulously. You need to be aware of what your teacher's teaching your children. When I was a kid, teachers and parents were on the same team. And they were teaching things that were beneficial. And 2022... Teachers might be teaching the right thing. They might not be teaching the right thing. I had one educator who I have great confidence in tell me the other day that he was trying to meet with a parent about their child just being disruptive and just, just won't learn, and it's very difficult. And the parent said, F my kid. I just want my weed. They got my weed. F the kid. I just want my weed. Well, see, the, can you see the brokenness of culture and the need for God? Some say, well, I, I can't imagine ever being in that place. But folks, if we neglect watching on the inside, any of us could become stuff that we never would dream that a million worlds we could, we could, we could become. 
I don't have to ask you, have you ever done anything in your life that at one time in your life you just said hell will freeze over before I would do that? But you did it. And the reason why you did it is because you had the wrong things on the inside. One of the beautiful things about coming alive and living alive in Jesus is that you get, to, you get to be one of the watchmen, not just over the wall of everyone else, but you get to watch over your own life. And you know these scriptures about being in authority. You know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the spiritual priest of my, of my, of my family. And I'm, I'm like the patriarch of the Owensbys in Mississippi. And so I have this responsibility to not just look at them and tell them what to do because my son is 25 years of age now. I don't talk to him like I did when he was a little boy and had to have me speak to him a certain way. Now I just trust that if I do say anything to him out of respect toward him, that he will apply it. But more than anything, I trust what I put in him before, but I'm not done because it's important for me to be praying over him and encouraging them and praying over my grandchildren. I want to be, I was laying hands on them when they were in Regina's belly. I, 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 can't, I can't give up now. I don't believe God's done with us until we leave this place. And watching in says to me, Chris, I've blessed you with a lot. But you know there's responsibility with that, don't you, son? If you want a lot, there's responsibility that comes with all of it. And it's worth it. If God can trust you with much, pray for your children. And when you pray, when you pray for your family, determine that these children will be fruitful in the kingdom of God and that hell will not have them in Jesus' name. And when you pray and stand on God's word, you are wielding two, wielding, wielding like a sword, two of God's greatest weapons, not only yourself, not only for yourself, but for your household. And I think the greatest thing you can do and it'll come out of you watching within. It will flow out of you watching within. Watching in. Is that when they're looking at you and you don't know it, they see the habit in which the way you live your life. They see the way you make decisions. They see how that you'll be halfway through a statement and you'll cut yourself off because you don't need to say the rest of that because it's not appropriate. They'll see the way you are financially and you endeavor to be a good steward. They'll see how that you endeavor to be a person of your word. They'll see your, they'll see your commitment. They'll see your value systems. I mean, I, I'm thinking about the things that I'm going to be talking to my grandkids about and showing them in the Bible that I know every which way you look, culture says this is okay, but this is not right. And with showing them the things that are ugly and are wrong, because there's a lot of things right now. I mean, the devil's just out there now. He's not hiding anymore. I mean, he used to, he used to operate in the shadows. Now he's just right out there. He's destroying. And I'm going to show him them from the Word of God, and then I'm going to tell him what they can be. I'm going to show them the error of the time and I'm going to show them the lies of the enemy but I'm going to show them what they can be and I'm going to show them and tell them what it's done for me. I'm going to talk to them out of my own experience and if there's anything about Papa that you love and you appreciate 
It is all something that God has done. But God didn't do it by jerking my arm up around behind, behind my back and making me pursue these things. He gave me an option and a choice for something better than what I had. And I chose to say, I'll, get, I'll take your best because I don't even know what I'm doing. But I'll take your best and I'll live my life that way. Watch in. This shows that we have a value for the presence of God. Watching in shows that we can, we can come forth from anything. Look, everybody, everybody has blind spots. Everybody has a propensity for human weakness. But if we're going to move into the full magnitude of what we have, we get to leave those things behind. And God knows you can't be strong by yourself. That's why He's never wanted you to be by yourself. And we can talk to Him about anything and everything, and we need not hide from Him ever, ever, ever. Because He watched you do whatever you did. He was aware of it. And He is more interested in you being honest with Him Growing beyond any shortcoming or struggle to realize, look, it was big by yourself, but it ain't no big thing when you let me help you. Now let me help you clean those knees up that you skint. Let me help you stand up. Get up on my shoulders while you're at it. See, that's what I want to be part of. And this is what the church must hear in this hour. We can't run to the hills. We can't run to the shadows. We can't run to the cave. We need to be so on fire, adults. We need to be so passionate for Jesus that we can let the next generation get up on our shoulders. But who wants to run to a cave where the bats hang out to crawl up on anybody's shoulders. Amen. You know, I got I stand up, everybody. Stand up, please. We've been in church for two hours. Good investment. Would you lift your hands all over the room, please? You know, when God touches an area of your life, He's not trying to shame you. He's not. I've never felt Jesus shame me. But He's a king that confronts he knows who we really are. He knows who we're really called to be. We're learning and discovering who we are and we're called to be. He knows He knows what He really wants to lead us into in this current season that we're in. He's not shaming. He's, he, he's doing us like He does real sons and daughters. And while I've made him angry before, he's never abused me out of the anger that I produced. But he corrects me every time if I'll listen. And maybe you're in this place today and you have gone, overridden God's correction. You've overridden it. You've overridden it. I listen to so many now that I have such a problem with authority. Some of them have a, a problem with authority because so many people in authority prove that they got no business being in authority. 
in this hour. So they look at politicians and they look at certain people in certain aspects of leadership and they they look at people with a lot of opinion but their character and their life is far different and they hate authority because of the misrepresentation of authority through a number of authority figures. But let me tell you about one that you can trust. God. Because He's not correcting you and redirecting you and showing you a better way out of anything other than love because that's what He is. So don't you deny authority because you want to blame God for what you see weak people do. Let God be viewed as God alone. Don't try to pull God down to the failures of humans. He's the ultimate authority figure and He's real clear. Oh, He's very clear. I mean, He's, he's clear. And you'll discover Him in this book. He's very clear. He's clear. He, he addresses every aspect of life. And any area where you can't get exactly the subject matter, when you get the heart intent of it, he'll kind of address it that way. But he, he, he helps with everything, and he's clear. And in him, there's no guilt or condemnation. Man, I hate guilt and condemnation. It's a terrible thing. We've all felt it. We've all felt it. It's a, it's, it's a feeling that's, no matter how old you are, if you've ever felt it, it's, you'll never forget how it feels. And it's, 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 it's hard to describe. There are no words to describe how guilt and condemnation feel. And He hates that. He doesn't want us feeling that. He, he wants us to have feelings of, look, look, Daddy, I do this because I love you. And out of doing it because I love you, I discovered it was best for me. I remember when I, when Virginia and I first got married, I was there, Lord, I got basically the perfect woman. But I just need to tweak her just a little bit. Help her just a little bit. And I would talk to him about her. He never would talk back. And I could, you know, I could hear God on many areas of my life, many ways I talked to him. He would not talk back. But he would talk to me about me. I'm thinking, Lord, I, 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 I hear you, but the problem's with her. But he was talking to me about me. And I started doing what he said. And I started seeing changes in her. But really, 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 I saw changes in me because I thought, leave that alone. That's part of what makes her valuable. Oh. But if you do life your own way without God, you got it all figured out and you're stubborn, then you'll do a lot of things and expect God to bless your mess. But He doesn't operate that way. And boy, it's so good to do what you do out of your love for Him, out of your love for Him, out of your love for Him. I've pleaded with leaders through the years. If you do what you do out of your love for Jesus, you won't do it wrong. If you don't do what you do out of your love for Jesus, you'll eventually mess it up. 
But when you do what you do out of your love for Jesus, you will discover when you look inside, look how much better my life is. Look at all the benefits have come out of it. Because I wanted to be responsible to His clear directions and the benefits to doing what He says seem greater to me than the reason why He said them. It's not the case. Because He's not just making your life better. He's thinking about everyone that your life can potentially touch. He's thinking about things that have never dawned on us. God sees the big picture. We have snapshots and glimpses. But our Father sees the big picture. I want you to lay both hands on, your, on the core of your chest right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to lead like you led when you addressed those seven churches that you got us into this morning. You spoke to the pastor first and then to the church. When you said angel, you meant messenger of God. Thank you for speaking to me. These are things that are things I've been working on a long time. And I have not perfected them. And I can't by myself, but I don't have to. Because you are my help and my strength. But what is a non-negotiable is neglect. Negligence. It don't matter because it does. Because you say it matters. And that you said it matters means that's it. It does. So as the pastor and now for my people that I love increase the capacity of our heart to love you more to yield more to you to give more way to what you want to do with our lives forgive us Lord for things that we've allowed in our heart that we shouldn't have he wants to lead you to a place where there are no persons in your life that can talk you into sinning against what you know is something between you and God that matters. I'll say it, Holy Spirit. There are things in life that are called convictions. Things that God deals with you about out of relationship. This is why you can't be a religious follower from a distance and never have real relationship. Because in relationship, God may require a certain thing of you at a different level because He knows you. And He knows the temperature and the climate of your family. And He knows your nature better than you know you. And He may say of you, don't even think about it much less go to it. Oh, but such and such does it. God never wants us to tell him what such and such is or is not doing when he's speaking to us about doing and not doing. Because when he speaks to you about doing and not doing, he's not trying to do anything but to build you because he knows you. And this is another reason why we need his help. Because we don't know us like He knows us. Nobody knows you like you know you except one who knows you better. I mean, your mama really, really, really knows you. 
or your father. But nobody knows you like God. Because he, he, he knows the stuff that hasn't dawned on you yet. And as I lay hands on my chest, I pray that you get so strong in your love for him. Because if you don't, you won't see the lasting change. But if you do, you'll be around here when the rapture takes place. And you'll leave when he comes. If he does, you won't fall away. If he does, you'll be the one that he not only can depend upon and count on, but you will be the one who brings a smile to his face. I know I've broken his heart. I know I've hurt him. I know I've disappointed him. But you know, if we can do that, we can also do others. And I do believe I've pleased him. I believe I've made him smile. I believe I've brought him honor. Boy, that's what I want to do in this next season of life, don't you? I believe that. I speak this over your life in the name of Jesus. And if you're in here today and you were wishing this service was over about 30 minutes ago, it's because I have done everything because your name. And I care about you. And I'm sorry that it don't matter to you. And I'm sorry that after all my influence in your life, you're still that spiritually immature. But I don't beat you down. I don't, I don't want to dog you out. I care about you. And I want you to catch that if, if His love toward you and your love back toward Him is first, then anything He speaks to you about, you'll trust Him on. And it's good to have conversation with someone who really really, 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 really has your best interest at heart. Anytime I sit across the table and I'm giving counsel to a crisis relationship or I'm giving counsel to somebody who's got a big decision to make in their family or in business or in some capacity, I, I endeavor to just to be so objective. But on my best moment, I'm still me, but not our Father. His counsel is the highest of all. And His help is supreme. And so, Father, I speak this over Your people. And as I release them to go today, I thank You that they're going to watch in. And as they do that, they're going to be ready for the things that are outside of them in a different kind of a way. A shift of perspective, a strength and a stamina, a boldness and a courage because of a realignment and a readjustment or maybe a brand new alignment and a brand new adjustment of the priorities that matter most and that is with you Lord first place I bless them all and now yeah one more thing one more thing one more thing I have to do this I have to do this because of a covenant I made with God if you're in this place and you do not have a relationship with Jesus and if you died right now you are not right with God and you are not ready for eternity. I don't want you to die right now, but people are dying all over the place. And we've got this moment and I want you to, I want you to be ready for eternity. If you're not sure that you're a child of God, but you want to be in the certainty of this moment, and that's you that are listening to me right now, in any capacity or in this room, would you pray this with me right now? Heavenly Father, for the benefit of every person that needs this prayer, I pray it from my heart I ask you to forgive me cleanse me from all my sin I give you my heart I don't just give you my trouble I don't just give you my pain I don't just give you my frustrations I give you my heart I give you all of me I am astounded and amazed that you want all of me but today 
I give you all of me. Take my life. Use it for your glory. I will live for you. I haven't known what to do with my life alone. I've made a lot of bad choices. But today I make the best choice. The greatest choice. I choose you, Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. I receive your cleansing. I confess I'm a child of God. And from this day forward, I will follow you and grow in you. Now with uplifted hands, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His countenance to shine upon you. May the Lord establish you in all His ways as they become your ways more and more. And may He grant you peace. And may this week be a week where your eyes come open in a different kind of way to the goodness of God than ever before in your life. I love you all. Have a great day. Have a great lunch. Enjoy one another. God bless you. You know, I really don't know what your need is today, but the Holy Spirit knows. And He's used this service, this message, to speak into your life. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, really all you need to do is get real with Him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I desperately need a Savior. And you're the only one who can. I invite you into my life. I ask you to save me. I need you as also to be my Lord. I give myself to you and my life to you. And Father, not only do I pray and celebrate these that are coming to you, but for those that need a special touch in their family, for those that need a divine touch in their body, for those that need a surge of encouragement, for those that need increased joy, and for those that are growing, that they will become all that they are called to become. I declare your blessing over the people, and I thank you that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is moving powerfully on their behalves. In Jesus' wonderful name. Until next time, I'm so grateful that you've joined us, and I pray that you will continue to check out our regular podcasts.